Praise you the Lord tonight. Welcome again to Bible study tonight. I want to welcome everyone in the church to this gathering of the word. Tonight we are gathering around the table of the word of God to share of the mind of God for us. We only know the thoughts and the thinking of God when we open his precious holy word. So every time we come to Bible study, we are coming to partake of the word of God. And so tonight again we come humbly before the throne to study together God's word and be built up and the words that pertain to righteousness. That we might be equipped and thoroughly furnished and established in every good work of God. After permitting tonight, my wife was sharing with me a scripture in First Timothy 3. Um, it's a prophecy of the Apostle Paul for the end time. Among many things he said is that at this time men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Yeah, because we pray along those lines. But where she continues, he said, he said some are always learning but never unable to come to the knowledge of truth. And that struck her and she called my attention to it. Second Timothy 3. Um, I want to beg of you these times. It's a spirit of a time for men to love themselves more than they love God. So you will be conscious about that and say this negative prophecy will not be fulfilled in my life. I will love God more than myself. I will prioritize God more than my pleasure. And as I learn, I will come to the knowledge of truth. Because the truth abides in me. And so tonight we'll be coming to the study of the word of God. And I want you to really open your heart to understand tonight. Romans chapter 4. We've come a long way from chapter 1 of Romans. And like I said to us in our last class, and tonight let me say to you, no matter what your needs are today, the Lord, our God, will meet it in the preaching of the word. We don't need to have a special miracle service for miracle to happen when the word of God is preached. We are in Romans chapter 5. And like I said, the Bible is a compilation of it's a library and in that library there are 66 volumes of books and all of them have the same story and um, from different authors and inspired by God for the redemption of man and all scriptures are, are given by the inspiration of God. 
and they're profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction, and learning in righteousness. So that the believer might be thoroughly or properly equipped and furnished for every good work in God. And so it is important for us to see scriptures as our life. For this same scripture that people disdain, people who don't know God, is the very life of the world. And it's a privilege for us to have come to a point where we understand the precious word of God. So the book of Romans is written to specifically explain to the church how a man is justified so that you know actually how you came about your justification and having understood that you will know how to present the message of salvation to the lost because Paul will say in Philippians he says for such you were once in darkness for such were some of you before you got saved. But now you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been made righteous. So the same word that cleansed us and made us righteous is also available to those who are not saved. But the purpose of the Apostle Paul for this treatise on uh, 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 in the book of Romans is to explain to us how we came about our 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 justification and 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 help us understand it so that we may communicate it properly to those who are not yet saved. First Corinthians six eleven and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. But he are justified in the name of the Lord. So you see that we were once in darkness, but now we are cleansed. So the process of that cleansing and sanctifying and justification is what the book of Romans is, is explaining to you and I. That we may know, and that's what we are learning in these times. And we began from chapter 1, where we see Paul introduced himself to the church um, in Rome by the Holy Spirit and, 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 and he began to tell them how he has longed to come to them to preach the gospel to those who are in Rome um, and, and, and he says he's not ashamed of that gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto what? Salvation to all that believe it to the Jews to the Greek. He says therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now remember the word righteousness and the word Justification are from the same root word that means being made right with God. And he came to talk about in verse 18, he, he began to, to, to show men the universality of the fall of man. That all have seen and come short of the glory of God. And that's why you must have compassion for the lost. 
Why do you think Jesus had compassion for those who are not saved in Mark 9 from verse 35? When he saw them like sheep without shepherd, he had compassion on them. Why? Because if they don't find him, they will end up outside him. And anyone not found in Christ will not reign with him. And so Paul began to tell us from verse 18 of chapter 1 how all men are under the judgment of Christ. The wrath of God. Sometimes we don't know that there's a wrath of God coming on every child of disobedience. And verse 2, chapter 2 rather, goes further to talk about that state. That, that, that if man refuse to get saved, they are piling wrath upon wrath upon themselves. And we see from, from chapter 3 of, of, of the book of Romans, Paul went forth to, 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 to explain for them the rationale behind that, what it entails. How can a man be saved? Is it by works or by faith? So Paul began to say, it's by faith, even though all have sinned. So no one is right, no one is justified, no one can be acquitted by what he or she is doing. And we read through that up till chapter 4. And we are there right now. And so let's see again tonight the, the, the trust of the Apostle Paul. And before I go into this um, tonight quickly, as we build up again from, from chapter well, 1. And, and before I even go there, we're going to read through it to the last verse. But let me say this to us tonight. And sometimes we seem not to know that Jesus clearly states that anyone not found in him will be cast in outer darkness. And it is not he that begins with Christ that is saved. It is he that continues with him till the end. So once you are born again, the seed of God comes in you to keep and preserve you continually in him till the end. But Jesus said, for instance, in Matthew 25, verse 30, you know, it was, it was, he was, he, he said, they said, throw out the worthless servant into outer darkness. Now, Christ used that word in Matthew several times. He used the word outer darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of feet. Now, these were not words from men these were the words from the very mouth of the one that would judge the world matthew 22 verse 13 the parable of the banquet the king gave a banquet and 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 he invited all to come and when he came to inspect those in the banquet he found one of them in there without the wedding garment he had no garment of righteousness over him and he said he said in verse 13 of verse 22 he says the king said to the servants the angels bind him hand and foot and throw him out that is not a good situation so there's this there's this teaching of jesus about throwing men out who are not found in him and this is not an allegory. This is a truth of the end time of the lives of men. So Jesus is saying here, the end of the unjustified, the end of the unrighteous and the ungodly is in the outer place. 
So how do men escape from being in the outer place is by being inside. And when you're inside, then you have the garment of righteousness. But now, how then do we acquire this garment of righteousness? Because this is important for us to know so that we can hold firm our beliefs in God and consequently know how to, to communicate that process, that gift to those who are outside so they might come in. Now, talk with me tonight to Romans chapter 4. We'll read from verses 1 through 25. And then I'm going to just take it from there tonight. You see, the beauty of reading scripture is that we get the total counsel of God. And we know the position of God. We know whose report to believe. God did not call us in church to preach ourselves. But Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5, Paul says, For we are not called to preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and we, his servants. So if we are his servants, we are meant to obey his instruction as leaders. So when we read the scripture, we are obeying the words of Christ. And that's why it's good for us to, to preach scripture verse by verse. So Paul talking about justification, we read from verse, I mean chapter 1 of, I mean chapter 4 verse 1, I read. What shall we say then? Please follow me with your heart tonight. Listen, he said some ever learning but never coming. It won't be your lot. As you hear, as you learn, you will know and the faith of God will build in your heart. Your faith shall be grounded. Nothing shall uproot you. You shall be like a man that hears and builds his house upon the rock when the storm will come, when the rain will come, because surely it will come. It will beat on it heavy, but it won't move. Why? It's built upon the rock. And that's what the wise men Actually, are so. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before God. For what said the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Not what they counted. Now to him that walketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that walketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquity are forgiven and whose sins are covered blessed is the man to whom the lord will not impute sin impute commit this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also for we say that faith was reckoned to abraham for righteousness how was it then how was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the of, of 
the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they were not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. 12. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath, for where there is for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be of by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it's written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and called those things we've been as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet a deadness of Sarah's womb. He is taken at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now it's good to read this like this and so that we, we, we come to understanding of the entire point. But as I start this evening, um, Paul was writing here um, to talk more about the doctrine of justification. And so today I'm going to take it from verses 1 through 10. And I want to narrow, narrow down to verse 11 if I can and time permits us tonight. And there are a few things I want us to note as we go through these verses. The word imputation. Imputation. That word is important. And I'm, I'm going to come there shortly from now but before we go on let me say this that justification of being made right the state in which you are now and the state in which we 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 are trusting God to to bring unbelievers into by the preaching of the word is the act of God abolishing um, and pardoning sin through faith alone. Um, um, let me say this now. Um, when we talk about righteousness of Christ, or the word justification means just being made as though without sin, is the sole act of God in pardoning sin and, and, and bringing men to righteousness on the basis of faith in Christ alone. 
No one adds work. So when we preach, we're not preaching work, uh, um, um, salvation. We're preaching faith alone. Faith based on grace. But this grace is actually defined. Now, hear me carefully. You are not saved by the things you did. Paul is saying, salvation is by faith alone, by grace. So there's a distinction here of grace and faith. Because if we don't understand this, we'll make the promise void. So God wants us to be clear and clear enough on a doctrine of justification by faith alone. So we got born again on the basis of faith. On grace. Amen. And when we go to preach, we must not preach something different from this. Because Paul says, if any man comes to preach to you any other gospel, and peradventure you're hearing me, and this is not the gospel you believed, or you can't really say, this is what I heard, and I put my faith in. If you don't put your faith in this process, I make bold to say, you might be in the house, and yet you don't have the garment. Because the garment is only given you on the basis of justification and being made right. And so Paul wants everyone to understand this. Um, and I want to ask yourself this question. How did you believe? What did you believe? What did you hear? Is critical for our eternal assurance. You can't just believe anything. You can't just base your, your assumption that because I have found myself in church, therefore I'm, I'm a Christian. No, you must follow sin. It doesn't happen that way. There's a, there's, there must be a concrete um, assurance, um, concrete um, evidence in your heart that you know that you based your faith in him. On grace. Now, let me say this tonight because it's very clear. As we go to preach, Paul says we are saved by faith through grace. Now, what exactly is the faith based on grace? What then is this grace? Don't um, we must be clear and not live on assumption. Now, let's look at scripture to know. You see, we can't know these things for ourselves. Thank God, scripture explains itself. Let's read that tonight quickly some scriptures um, before we, we, we move on. Talk me tonight first and foremost to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Turn there with everybody. 1 Corinthians 15. Because the church ought to know, you know, Peter was writing to the church. And I'm praying that as we hear tonight, we understand um, that you must sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready and be able to give an answer. So when I ask you, how are you saved? What, what saved you? You have an answer. How do you have an answer? Is what we are teaching tonight. First Corinthians 15, let me read from verses 1 through, through 4. Moreover, brethren... 
I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein he stands. So that means there's a gospel. It's it's it um it's defined, it's knowable. The the, the, the church in Corinth knew it. So there's a there's a there's a format to it, it's not vague. I'll read down. But remember also Paul said to in, in Galatians that if anyone preached to you any other, so there's a particular one that saves. And if one saves, then then, then every other one cannot save. Amen. So we must be looking for the one that saves. So which gospel saves? Read that with me tonight. It says, which I preach unto you wherein you, what you receive and wherein you stand. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved. Wow. That means there's a particular gospel that saves men. Not all saves. So this one saves. And we can find this in scripture. Now let's read down. It says, which I preach among you unless ye have believed in vain. Verse 3, for I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died. Now, the word Christ died there is important. That's the first thing that happened. Christ died. Now, the death of Christ is not just, it, it's, it's not just the death. There is something about the death. There is something that, 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 that is, is, to be, is to be identified in that process of dying. How did he die? Uh, um, um, what did he give up? Or rather, what did death take from him? What, 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 what is the consequence of his death that brings or leads to salvation? Now, I'm going to hold on there. Christ died. For a man to say he has died, it means he has given up his blood, his life. When a man dies, his life is given. He says, no one has the power to take my life. I have the power to give it and take it back. So when a man dies, he gives his life. And the Bible says in Leviticus that the life of the flesh is where? In the blood. You see that now? So when Paul says Christ died, he's saying the blood was released. The blood was shed. So what was God doing when, when, when he offered up his son to save the world? He was, he, was, he was giving the blood out. Because it's the blood that actually saves. Amen tonight. And that's why in Genesis chapter number 3, when man, when, when man fell, the first thing God did was to kill an animal and shed that blood of the animal. God was showing a type of what happened in his son. So for men to be saved, we must understand that that grace that we put the faith on alone is in the blood. It is the provision of the blood that brings about salvation. So our gospel must be blood-based. Mm. Now, when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, it was for the blood. And Abraham actually has offered at that boy in his heart as a shadow of what will happen when God offers up his son. And if you, if you read the Bible, you see very well, you find that the same Mount Moriah that Abraham took his son to was the same mount that Jesus was actually crucified upon. 
So first and foremost, we see that first scripture about the blood. Now come to Romans 3, again tonight, Romans 3, because we are discussing justification by faith through grace. So faith on what? Because faith can be in isolation. Faith is trust in something. Faith is relying on something. Faith is relying on the substance that something else provides. Romans 3.25 Whom God had set forth, that is Christ, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Wow. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So the faith is on the basis of the blood. For without that blood being shed, then our righteousness will not have been fulfilled. So when he was being beaten, it was for our righteousness. When the tongue were placed on his head, it's for our redemption. When he was nailed on the cross, it was for the blood to come out. When the spirit was thrust inside, it was all for the redemption of mankind. Amen tonight. So the blood is a token that grace stands on for faith to be applied. Romans chapter 5. And verse 9. Because this knowledge is important. So you know that the blood is the token. Hallelujah. The blood of the New Testament in Christ. Romans 5, I read from verse 9. Much more than being now justified by what? By what church? By his blood. So what justifies us and makes us acceptable to God is not our righteousness, it's not our works, is grace. The grace of redemption is the blood. And God gives us faith to believe that that blood is sufficient enough for the remission of our sins, both past, now, and the future, as we trust God unto receiving. So it says, being, being then now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So we see that to be justified, it must be by the blood. To have faith for justification, it must be by the blood. So you cannot preach that if you want a miracle, just accept Christ and then you get a miracle. No, that's not the gospel. We can't go and preach. If you come to our church, God will make you, He will give you car, He will give you house, He will give you money, He will give you wife. No, you don't need that. That is not the gospel. If you go to a western country, they will give you car, they will give you house. In fact, if you don't want, they will give you wife, free of charge. And if you got those things from, from, from men, then what else you need the gospel for? No, the gospel is not for all those things. Is for the salvation of your soul in eternity so that you can avoid the end judgment of being cast to outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. First Peter 1 
verse 18 and 19. Let's go to that, everybody. And I will just take it one step at a time tonight. I hope someone is getting this tonight and you understand what I'm saying. I pray God that that's a portion. Let's see verse 18 of First Peter 1. The same thing we find Jesus saying, my, my blood is drink indeed, my flesh is meat indeed. It's what Paul is saying and Peter is saying. So God is saying to us, you must understand this, that salvation is on the, on the basis of the blood. 18, for as much as ye know, now you see that now, that means you should know. Uh, as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold. That's why redemption does not guarantee silver or gold. Because we're not saved by silver or gold. He said, from your vain lifestyle received by the tradition from fathers. Wow. 19. But with the, hallelujah. I love that. But with the what? Precious blood. The prep of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. So, uh, the, 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 the way of redemption is the blood. So, our gospel message must present the atoning sacrifice of the blood as the true propitiation so that people can put their faith in that death. The death that men deserve by the consequence of sin Jesus took the place and shed his blood for us not to shed ours anymore. So the faith of men must be blessed in the blood. Be not redeemed by gold or silver, but we are redeemed by the precious blood. Ephesians 2.13, 1 John 1.7. You can know that and then read it. But I'm going to read one more tonight to further entrench this understanding. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. Because, because, because somehow our gospel message, you know, today in the world, they said talking about the blood is cruel. Don't talk about the blood in church. Just tell them that, that, they've been, they, that God loves them and wants, wants to save them. Yes, it's true. But the same Bible says, let them know that, that, that redemption is based on faith in the blood. If God says, this is the way, folks, tell them so. Those who have been called of God will believe and put their faith so that they can be rightly saved and rightly so. Hebrews 9, verse 11. I will read through verse 28. I want to underscore this point in your heart so that there's no there's no doubt, it's clear. So when you when they, they find that you are born again, this you put your faith in Christ's death, in Christ's blood, and, 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 and by it we are redeemed. So says the scripture. Verse 11. But Christ being come, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 9, 11. But Christ being come as a high priest of good things to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, that is to say, this building, neither by the blood, see that, by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, 
by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us by his own blood we must understand that, that the gospel is the gospel of the blood of Jesus the death the burial the ascension and and Christ being set at God's right hand but we must know that our redemption is blood based verse 13 for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh 14 how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself once without, without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God 15 and for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament which cause the cause of the blood without the blood there is no New Testament without the blood there is no new covenant without the blood there is no church without the blood there is no righteousness and no man can be justified from the basis of the blood we are justified forever. Hallelujah tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah for the blood. And for this cause, he is a mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, you see that? That the blood may be released for the redemption of the transgressions that we were under the first testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. 16. For where a testament is, there must also already be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men die. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool, and he saw and sprinkled both the book and the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God had enjoined unto you the old. Moreover, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. 22. And almost all things are, be, are, are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heavens should be purified with this. But the heavenly things themselves would better sacrifices than this. 24. For Christ is not entered in the holy place made with hands, which, is, which are the figures of the true, but in heaven itself, now to appear in, in God's presence for us. Not yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place, Every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. As appointed unto men, once to die, but after death, judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and to them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So, I said all that to underscore, so you are clear in your heart, that the means of justification by faith is in the blood. And this must be clearly stated as, as a spiritual principle 
for evangelism and for faith. Amen tonight. So what does the blood do? The blood wipes away sin and the blood delivers us from sin henceforth. But now let me come quickly. I believe that is very clear in the, in the thought of the apostle to clarify the, the means by which men are justified. It's by the blood. But you see, when Paul began to talk about faith and believe, they are same substance. What is faith? You know, faith in simple terms is to trust. What is belief? Believe in simple terms is to rely upon. The word faith and belief in the Bible are two same good words. Pistis and pistio. They both mean to trust, to rely, and be assured of. So when we say we believe or we have faith, it means we trust and rely on the provision of the blood for the redemption of mankind. This is the gospel. This is why this is scandalous. This is why this is foolishness. How can you say we should put our faith in the blood? Let's do our best. That's why men in the world today struggle to get saved. They want to do things to add. But God says, no, I have done everything. The blood is been shed. Now it's time for you to put your faith in the blood. So when you do that, the, 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 the redemptive grace of God is activated in him that believes. Believes in what? In the blood. Now the word believe and faith, I said that is the same thing. But now the question is, on what actually we believe in the blood? Now, before I go on tonight, I will, I will run quickly. Sometime in 1521, there was an event that occurred in history of the church. A man by the name Martin Luther, who was a, a monk and read the scriptures and discovered that no man, you see, the reason this is important is because over history, there's been a debate on how men are saved. So he read. In Romans 1 and Galatians 2.16. Let's turn it to everybody. Turn first with me to Galatians 2.16. To see the importance of how men are saved. 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, we believe in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith of Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified now this on this basis and Luther revolt or revolted against the order and he was put on trial in the city of Worms in Germany that trial was called the diet of Worms Diet, D-I-E-T, Worms, W-O-R-M-S. And in this trial, it consists of the Pope, the King, and all the clergy. They, 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 they see Luther's position as heretic, worthy of being excommunicated and, 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 and death. On what basis? On the basis of Romans 1.17. 
Galatians 2.16. If you read that story, Luther stood by the word of God and he was excommunicated. And this was the beginning of the struggle of the order of redemption throughout all the church ages. But for anyone who cares to listen to God's word and follow the truth of God's word, we know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. But now faith in word. Now we went further to clarify it, faith in the blood. Now the reason this is this way, it has made salvation as it were, not as complex as men will want it to look. The body of salvation has been taken from men. It has been, it, it has been made easy uh, by the revelation of God in Christ through preaching. And it's the reason many people refuse and reject the truth. Because it's too good to be true. That someone has paid the price. And brethren, this is the truth of the gospel. We don't have to complicate it. We don't have to amend it. We don't have to reduce it. We don't have to increase it. Just present the gospel. That men have sinned. And have come to the glory of God. None is righteous. But God so loved the world. He gave his son. That in the death of the son by the blood he shed, the penalty for sin is fully paid. And become the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. And if any man will put his faith and his trust in him, he shall be saved. That is the gospel. And that's what Paul is trying to say to us here. And you must know tonight that no man is saved. By himself is by faith, but faith in itself must stand on something, and the faith stands in the blood. Now, for the lesson that we have this evening, verses 4 and 5 says something here. Let me read verses 4 and 5 in the Amplified, and I will close here tonight. It says, Now to the laborer. His wages are not credited as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation, something owed to him. Verse 5. But to the one who does not work, that is, the one who does not try to earn his salvation by doing good, but believes and, com and, and completely trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him. As righteousness. Now let's go on here tonight before we close. Paul is saying here that to understand justification, we must understand the nature of God. That God is full of grace. God is so loving and so caring that He has released everything for man to be saved. And no man can come to God trying to earn salvation. No man can be saved trying to, to add to things that can make him saved. 
Let no one says, what can I do more to be saved? There is nothing you can do more, nothing you can add to the grace of God in the blood. All you need to do, acknowledge your sins, sinful state and rest in, the, in his unending grace. That the grace of Jesus is sufficient enough for salvation. Because if it's by works, it means when a man comes as a laborer, if you are able to add something, it has, it has, it has, it has qualified grace. Grace is no more grace, it's now works. That's what it means by it says when, 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 when now, if the laborer comes, that his wages are not, it's no more counted as an obligation. Because when he's paid, he's doing something to earn it. But no one does anything to earn salvation. And so when we come to the place of redemption, no one adds to it. Nothing is done to end it. There are things that we'll do after we get born again. But there's nothing we do before we get born again. All we do before we get born again is repentance and reliance on God. Let no man say, before you get born again, there are X, Y, Z things you must do. You must fast for three days. You must do X, Y, Z. And then come. You will be saved. No. The Bible says, we get saved by faith alone, void of works. But when we get saved by faith alone, void of works, that faith, that salvation that faith has procured, begins to lead us to righteous works. Not prior to redemption, but after redemption. So let no man draw away and run back and say, I'm not qualified. I'm a worse sinner. I've smoked too much. I've aborted. I'm, 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 I'm so, so worse. I can't. Let me go and try and reduce my sin. Paraventure, he will save me. No. No one can come to God on the base of his own strength. Everyone is redeemed and saved in their sins. Provided they acknowledge it and repent. And put their trust in God. This is the mystery of redemption. Showing the full love of God toward men. And this is absolute foolishness to the unbelievers. But to us who have been saved. It is the power of God. Now this is important as we close tonight. Because there must be proper understanding of what admits us into the body of Christ so that we also can go forth and teach others also. So our redemption in Christ, our admission into the body of Christ is not based on works, it's based on faith. Faith in the grace of Jesus and that grace is manifest in the blood. So once a man puts his trust in the blood, he's saved. And once he's saved, the token of redemption begins to lead him to do good works as he's repenting from dead works by the grace of Christ. No man repents from dead works or try to end redemption 
by doing good works. No. We come in our sinful state, repent of them, and trust in faith in Christ. And afterwards, by the faith of God in us, we begin to produce fruitful works and righteous deeds. And this is what Paul is saying from Romans chapter 4, from verse 1 through 10. But in next class, we'll be looking at the word imputation and the, the exact meaning of that so that we can come to true knowledge of the process. So when you are asked, how is a man born again? You are fully equipped by all the tools to answer. So if a man comes to question your redemption, you tell them, I know I'm saved because I've put my trust in the blood as the Bible has prescribed to everyone on the sea. And this becomes an assurance in your heart unto eternal life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight again for the clear teaching of your word and the assurance of redemption by the blood. Thank you because, Lord, we know now and we know better your thoughts and your, and your, and your, and your provision for salvation. That we are justified not by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith, but faith in the blood. Thank you, Lord, because we are redeemed by the precious blood, not by silver or gold. Thank you for the assurance of the Spirit in us. For the Holy Spirit himself testifies in us that we are God's children. Because our faith is in place on the blood. Thank you, Lord, because based on understanding, Lord, we are equipped to minister the gospel. The good news of faith in the blood. The good news of Jesus in redemption. That no one will sway us out of his truth. And no one will speak us out of the will of God. But Lord, by your strength, we proclaim your goodness and bring men into the kingdom. For the means of righteousness is the means and the way of the blood. Thank you, Father, for the blood of our eternal redemption in Christ Jesus. Your name be praised even now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for listening. I hope you've been blessed by this teaching tonight. Hold it to heart and go over it over and over again that you know Paul said, the things you've heard of me, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The Lord is building us to be able to teach others this principle, this doctrine of justification by faith in Christ alone. That all men might have the assurance and stay strong in God and give glory and thank God for the blood all the days of our lives. God bless you. We'll see you again by God's grace on Thursday. Please don't miss it for anything that you understand the other dimension of this teaching as the Lord will lead and help us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good night, folks. The Lord bless you.
please as you, as much as you can go over this teaching again and again until you grasp the essence of this particular thought and all the other thoughts that we've talked about in this series of Romans. Good night and God bless you all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.